episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. Hi, I'm Balaam Usitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, Mike, before we dive into this episode, I want to give another shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Paul. You know, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. We really appreciate it. If you'd also like to support the podcast, it's really easy now via Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash sailing the east. So today's guest on the podcast is Joe Hagan. This is Joe's third appearance on the podcast. He was here on episode 12 and then again in a two-part series, episode 44 and 45. Joe is a longtime sailor. And after retiring from the corporate life several years ago, he started offshore adventure sailing. At offshore adventure sailing, Joe takes folks out on multiple day ocean passages. In this episode, Joe and I discuss his adventures this past summer and spring, which is the summer of 2022, and taking his boat up to Nashville via the Tom Tom Canal. So, Bela, I've always enjoyed the conversations with Joe, and I hope this kind of turns into an annual routine, right? Getting his update, here's what he's doing. He's really got this interesting business, and I like his approach to business, which he'll talk about, I think, in the interview a little bit. Um, and I, I think he's got a really interesting approach to life and kind of sailing, I guess, is the the glue that holds all this together. Um, but uh, but I'm looking forward to the conversation. I'm looking forward to, to hearing what, what Joe's been up to this year and what his plans are for the coming sailing season. So let's go ahead and give it a listen. Hey, Joe, how are you? I'm great. Hope you had a wonderful holiday and you're preparing for a happy new year. Yes, yes. As we record this between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty good. We spent uh, Christmas at, uh, I have two sons and uh, they're both married. We spent Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at their house. And then my other son and his wife and their daughter are coming uh tomorrow night to be with us through new year's so outstanding are you doing any skiing oh yeah yep skied yesterday i'm gonna ski tomorrow so uh it's been sort of a not great season we haven't had a lot of uh cold we haven't had consistent cold weather yeah and and we've only had one snowstorm and then about six days after that snowstorm we had a big rainstorm so uh but, but you, you know, had uh, you had some bad weather in this recent uh, little cold spell, right? Uh, we did not we did not get a lot of snow out of that. That's the western oh, really? part of New York State. Yeah, yeah, okay, and that's you lake know. effect snow, I guess. That's lake effect for the most yeah. part. That's yeah. right. Yeah, if if only the mountains that I ski in were another 150 miles further west. It, it would be the best skiing in the world for early season with the lake effect, but it, it doesn't quite reach the mountains here. Yeah, where do you ski? At a place called Gore. Okay. Which, which is, uh, let's see, probably two hours north of Albany, hour and okay. a half north of Albany, New York. Yeah. Close to the Adirondacks. It's in the Adirondacks. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. So it's yeah. south of Lake South of Lake Placid, north of Albany. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. 
I used to ski at a, I think it was called Spectator Mountain. Is there such a place? You ever heard of that? Speculator. Speculator. Okay. Yeah. In the town of Speculator. In okay. the Adirondacks. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I lived as a child in Rome, New York. And so yeah. we skied at, at that resort, if that makes any sense, because I don't no. know my geography well. Yeah, no, that would make sense. You know, yeah. a lot of those little ski areas have vanished. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's gotten really difficult. The capital capital expenditures required to run a ski area these sure. days has made it really challenging for, for the little guys. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The world so changes. Let's, yeah, let's talk sailing. So sailing. I, was, I, I was trying to remember, uh, you were on the podcast about a year ago. Uh, yeah. and, and actually two episodes we did. I looked it up. So you were in episode 46 and 47. And this episode is going to be episode 74. So, oh, wow. Say, we're repeating some of the same numerals. Uh, what, 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 wait a minute. I misspoke. You're going to be, we're going to be episode 75. Oh, oh, I wrote it down. I wrote it down incorrect. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to be episode seventy-five, just to break up the numeral thing there. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, and remind people, maybe folks who didn't listen to the first uh, two episodes that you were on, uh, sort of what you do. I sail as much and as often as I can. I have a little charter business called Offshore Adventure Sailing. And uh, the goal of this, you know, my mission with this little venture is to give people the opportunity to get the real experience of sailing offshore. I've got a, a smallish boat. It's well found, well equipped, and uh, but it's nothing elaborate. And so we get small groups of people, uh, never more than four, and do passages. Mm -hmm. uh, usually uh the u.s east coast plus the bahamas and the western caribbean has been our sort of little beat so far mm -hmm. and uh a typical trip is how long how many like, days typically six to ten days we've done them a little longer and a little shorter but that's they're generally in that range it's just enough yeah. to really feel like you're you're out there you know so who would who would sort of be the sweet spot for for your customer? Who's the, who's sort of the ideal ideal uh, crewmate that comes aboard your boat? Most of the people who sail with me um, are have some sailing experience. They may own a boat uh, on an inland lake or on the coast, mm -hmm. but they don't feel like that boat is ready to take offshore, or maybe they don't feel that they themselves are ready to go offshore. And so uh, this is an opportunity to, to, uh, to go out in a boat well-prepared for offshore sailing with people who have good experience. And, um, you know, so the demographics are really varied from, you know, 18 to 80. I think I've had an 80-year-old. Um, and typically... Typically professional people in the 40s, mm -hmm. 50s, 60s. Yeah. Yeah. So and, men and women. Yeah. And is there is there like a structured curriculum you go through? No, uh, I tell people uh, I resist 
some of the people who do similar things to me call it the sale tra uh, sale training. Mm, yes. Um, I don't I don't like that term because I don't have a curriculum. I'm not trying to teach people. People will learn. Sure. I'm just trying to give them the experience. And um, there's no curriculum. There's no certificate at the end. There's no test. You know, we're just going to get out there, uh, a small group of people, and sail a blue water sailboat from point A to point B and have a great time in the, on the way. Yeah, yeah. So if if I asked uh, uh, half a dozen folks who, who had been on one of your one of your passages, what what would they say that was the, the best thing they learned or the best thing about the passage? Well, it's pretty varied. I think most people are just completely stunned by uh, I don't want to sound silly here but just like the awesomeness of nature I mean the yeah. sky is amazing the bioluminescence is amazing the sea can be both beautiful and terrifying um, you can't go sailing offshore and not be changed by it that's been my experience yeah, no, that's a that's a great response for sure. Yeah, it, it is it is pretty awesome, right? If if you if you enjoy nature and and you enjoy taking nature in, mm -hmm. being on a passage, and for me particularly, overnight passages are just unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I absolutely love it. You know, uh, back to your question about the the customer, the people who join me. They tend to be adventurous people, interesting people. You know, they're people who, um, you know, want to go out and do something a little bit out of the ordinary. Yeah. Break up the routine, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So I remember last time we talked, uh, you had you had sort of some loose plans for what your sailing itinerary was going to be this past summer. So the summer of 2022. And uh, so how did that pan out? What did, where did you end up going? Well, it was a short but wonderful season. We started um, in Charleston, South Carolina, where I had hauled the boat uh, for the winter to do a little refit. And uh, we left Charleston in early March and sailed down the coast to Miami. Um, that was our first legs. So that took, um, trying to remember, eight or ten days, I think. Um, and then uh, across to the Bahamas. You know, one of the great things about the East Coast is it gives you access to other places. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> and the Bahamas is an obvious one. It seems yeah. like the Bahamas is on the way to everything. Um, so we went from Miami uh, to Nassau by way of... Isla Mirada, Florida, and the Bimini's uh, in uh, in the Bahamas, and then spent about a month doing uh, trips in the Bahamas. We went from Nassau up to Eleuthera, um, through Current Cut to the south part of Eleuthera or the eastern part of Eleuthera and then down to Cat Island and ultimately to Georgetown in Exuma. 
Now, this is tropical, gorgeous water. Have you spent time sailing the Bahamas at all? I have not. No, oh it's my on my God. bucket list. It's 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 fabulous. Uh, and then we did a trip from Georgetown back to uh, back to Florida, about a ten day trip. Yeah, sort of hopping, island hopping for three or four days, uh, and then a couple of overnight passages, and then a long two or three day passage all the way back to Florida. It was great. Um, and then we went uh, south of the Keys to Key West. And from Key West across the Gulf up to Pensacola, Florida. And then my wife and I got on the boat in Pensacola and motored the boat 910 miles up the Tennessee Tom Bigby Waterway to Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I live. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we arrived in Nashville in early June. So all of that sailing took place in three months. And then I've had the boat close to my house here uh, since June. And on this coming Monday, in just a few days, I'm leaving to go back south to get back to Blue Water again. Oh, wow. <laughs> was, was, that your, was that your first experience up, up a river, so to speak? <laughs> I'm up a creek a lot. Um, no, I have done the t the Tom Bigby. Uh, well, actually, it was only the second time I've done the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's a remarkable waterway. I mean, it's a feat of engineering. First of all, it crosses a a mountain, you know, a, a, a divide, uh, which is amazing. And then it's a a bunch of rivers uh, connected together. Uh, it's beautiful. We saw bears. I mean, who would have, who would think you'd see bears along the river in Alabama of all yeah. places? But we did. Uh, it's gorgeous, and uh, it's. I, I'm not big on motoring. We motored for 13 straight days, 13 long days, um, and my mind was sort of just n numb from listening to the drone of the motor. But it was gorgeous and it was interesting and it was memorable. Sure. sure. So yeah. yeah. Now, you know, the the sort of inland waterways up here in New England, uh, for the most part, you have to take the mass down because there's a yeah. lot of low bridges. Do you have that same challenge? No, no. The uh uh I think the lowest bridge is 52 feet, and Ooh. my mast is 50. So we squeezed under a few, but we got through all of them and the mast is still up. All right. All right, that's yeah, good. The trip down is going to be, of course, a lot more water and uh, the potential for floods. So mm. we'll, see. we'll see how it goes on the way. Yeah, down. yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, so, what do you have planned for uh, this summer? Well, uh, I've got a schedule laid out through um, May, through April, through April. So we're going to go. Uh, from Pensacola to Key West, Key West to Nassau, Nassau to um, Georgetown. So we're back in the Bahamas, Georgetown, Exumas. Uh, from Georgetown to Providencialis in the Turks and Caicos, which is a beautiful, beautiful area. It's remote. It's deep water. You often think of the Bahamas as being shallow, but this is deep yeah. water uh, with islands 20, 40, 50 miles apart. So they're 
long days or even overnight sails between the islands. Uh, upwind because you're you're mm. going in a southeasterly direction. Yeah. And then you get to Turks and Caicos, which is another one of these, you know, island paradises, you know. Um, and from there to uh, Grand Cayman, there's a long passage south of Cuba. Uh, and we may make a stop in Cuba. And from Caymans to Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah which is a place I've been to twice before. It's just, uh, just wonderful. Um, and then I will add some trips after that, but I've not yet yeah. finalized my plans beyond, beyond the end of April. Yeah. Well, that's it. So, you know, when I, when I typically go down to the boat, I, we sort of get there, I look at the weather and then I sort of figure out where I'm going to go <laughs> for the next two or three sure. days. So yeah. it, it's it is there's planning involved, but there's there's no schedule. Yeah. And in your business, you sort of have to number one have a plan because people need to sign up for these things. They sort yeah. of need to have a beginning date and an end date. Right. And and so how do you sort of manage that? How does how does that sort of work? Yeah. Well, that's a good question because um, every sailor knows you should never sail to a schedule, but I sail to a schedule. And the secret is, is that my schedule is so padded, I figure out uh, how long it will take to go from point A to point B. For As an example, we've got a trip coming up that starts in about a month from Pensacola, Florida to Key West. Now, that's about 450 miles, 400 miles, something like that. And in good conditions, you can do that in like four days. Mm -hmm. But I schedule 10. Mm. because I want plenty of margin for uh, to wait for weather. We'll sit and wait for it if we have to. We'll do some coastal cruising while we're waiting for a front to pass. Um, if we find ourselves with time to kill at the end of a trip, there's lots of places to go to, the Dry Tortugas, the Everglades. Uh, so we fill the time, but we, have, we make sure we have lots of time to uh, not get ourselves in trouble because I'm not going to sail in bad weather. Even if we don't leave, we're not going to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm with you. It's like I don't now that particularly now that I'm retired, I don't ski in bad weather. I don't yeah. sail in bad weather. That's no fun. Why? Do it? No. Why? I don't have yeah. to. So why? Why right. would I? Exactly. You know, that's yeah. that's great. That's great. Yeah. So people think people look at my schedule and think it's really fast. Wow, you're going from you know, Pensacola, Florida, to the Bahamas, the Turks and Caicos, Cayman Islands in Mexico, and you're doing all that in for uh, three months. And, yeah. But, you know, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when, when you get to a place, unlike maybe someone who's cruising with their family, you're not spending two or three weeks at that one location. Right. Right. That's so that's the difference. Right. So that's why yeah, it seems yeah. seems fast. Of course. I mean, uh, my wife and I took a trip several years ago where we were gone for 15 months and we would sail to a place and it was a place we'd never been before. And we really wanted to get to know it and we'd stay there for two or three weeks. And sure. You know, that's just magical. But that's not what I'm doing now. I'm trying. Right. I'm trying to go sailing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of uh, one of the questions I had for you is um, when you do these sort of offshore passages, 
Can, can you talk a little bit about the safety things that you think about from, you know, crews, crew briefings about safety to the types yeah. of equipment you have on board? Sure. Um, I do a little safety briefing when people come aboard at the beginning of a passage. And I talk about lots of things, but but there's three big things. One is um, fire, which is mm. a horrible, horrible thing. It's a, like a black swan thing, right? It's unlikely, but if it does happen, it's terrible. Um, number two, um, illness or injury to mm -hmm. a crew person. A and three, uh, you know, a man overboard situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've got protocols on the boat for for all of those things. Um, and, you know, uh, I have the equipment on board, everything from firefighting equipment to first aid equipment to uh, tethers and uh, PFDs and jack lines and, and all of that stuff to make sure people stay safe. I find that people don't have any hesitancy to do the right thing. The only thing, here's the only thing that people do that I wish they wouldn't, and I get, you're probably going to want to edit this out because people <laughs> give me a hard time for this, but I ask people not to pee off the boat. <laughs> I mean, if we're at anchor and it's beautiful, calm day. Sure, fine. But if we're underway, why take that risk? <laughs> yeah, so that's the only thing that I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a little idiosyncratic about. I think someone else I spoke to on this podcast uh, cited some statistic that yeah. that some fairly significant percentage of man overboards <laughs> are, are people peeing off the stern of the boat while underway. <laughs> Well, you know, they say that uh, seventy-three percent of all statistics are made up on the spot in order to make a point. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> so, well, if that's if that's the if that's your biggest non-compliance uh, thing that you have going on with your with your crews, I think you're doing pretty good, Joe. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I got no complaint. <laughs> I've got a great crew. Yeah, so. and so talk to me a little bit about you got EPIRB, you have life raft. Uh, go through some yeah. of that stuff. EPIRB, life raft. In fact, I'm about to replace my life raft. Um, I've got um, a couple of EPIRBs. I've got uh, everybody wears a PFD. Mm -hmm. um, I don't make people don't wear it down below, of course, and they don't necessarily have to wear it during the daytime when they're in the cockpit. But when we're leaving, when the when we leave the cockpit, when it's nighttime, when it's uh, rough seas, uh, PFDs on uh, with tethers and jack lines if you leave the, the cockpit. We yeah. try to uh, rig the boat at uh, before dark so that we don't have to leave the cockpit sure. in the dark at all. And we still occasionally do, but honestly, uh, we usually don't ever have to leave the cockpit during the nighttime. We'll reef even if it uh, isn't required because I don't want to have to uh, at yeah. two o'clock in the morning, you know. Yeah. And I have uh, rules about if you do uh, leave the uh, the cockpit, you know, somebody's got to be somebody's got to be uh, watching you. You know, yes. you can't be alone on watch and decide you're going to go uh, go to the mast and and uh, reef. That's that's not wise. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So speaking of watches, how do you, how do you run watches? It depends on the crew. Um, I have done two-hour watches, three-hour watches, four-hour watches, uh, even six-hour watches during the daytime occasionally. We've done uh, overlapping watches where, you know, uh, you come on before the previous person's watch is over and the next person comes on before your watch is over. And I've done double-handed watches. It really just depends on the comfort level and the, you know, experience of the people that I'm with. So it's not uh, one fixed, uh, not one way or, you know, all the time. And yeah. that goes for everything on the boat. You know, we, um, uh, I, I'm not doing champagne cruises. This is just a small group of people trying to get from A to B and everybody's got to pitch in and do the work yeah. and everybody's got to handle sails and helm the boat and navigate and keep the logbook and even, uh, prepare meals. Um, and so, you know, some people like to do things, you know, so they gravitate towards certain tasks more than sure. Well, it just works out, you know, when you've got a small group of people, uh, working towards a common goal, like getting from point A to point B on a sailboat, it sort of focuses the mind and everybody just, it, it always works. I don't yeah. know why, but it always works. Yeah. It's remarkable, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when, when, when people sort of under, clearly understand the goal and and they can and they have good feedback to see how they're doing it towards that goal. Right. It works. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it does. It does. And you can't go through an experience like that and not sort of it's, you know, it's kind of a bonding experience. You yeah. Know, you end up. It's like everybody I've ever sailed with is like a friend. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I know when I've done passages on other people's boats, yeah. I was a crew member. I sleep like a baby. I just go out and I sleep. Yeah. When I'm the captain and we're doing passages, I have a hard time sleeping. I, I, yeah. maybe, you know, I don't know why. Yeah, so yeah. How, 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 what's your experience with that? I don't usually have trouble. Um I can, I mean, I can think of a couple of occasions where I would have liked to have been able to sleep more, but I didn't feel like I could or should. Um, but that's really rare. Yeah. Um, I mean, the boat is a good solid boat. We don't sail in bad weather. And, um, you know, I've got all the equipment on board um, that for the most part, the the boat does the sailing, right? And yeah. and the even when you're on watch, what you're really doing is you're just sort of monitoring things, right? You're looking around to see that there's no boats, although, you know, we've also got AIS systems that'll tell you if there's any sizable boats near you. Um, and, you know, you're making sure you're going in more or less the right direction, but we've got autopilot, and I'm actually I'm about to install a hydrovane, which is a wind steering system. Um, so it's not typically for me, a stressful situation, yeah. I sleep like a baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's good. I, and I, I think it's just the, for me, the psychological added responsibility of I'm in charge. Yeah. I'm supposed to be in charge that, yeah, that yeah. I sleep, but I don't sleep as well as when I'm a crew member. So, yeah. uh, 
do you um do you have a sort of rules let's say it's night watch right it's nighttime yeah you're you're not on a watch you're down below sleeping what are your rules for people to come and wake you up basically if you ever have any question any hesitation about anything wake me up i mean even if you're in doubt about whether or not you have a question wake me up okay. and let's talk about it because i'd just rather be and wake me up early don't wake me up saying well i can wait 10 more minutes and then if such and such doesn't change then i'll wake him up no wake me up now okay so but do you have any hard, hard fast rules like you know if there's another ship on the horizon uh or you know we got to change course because of something or no, is it just you just respect really. people's judgment yeah yeah i mean um yeah i mean i, I don't ha i try not to have too many rules i yeah. try to just like make sure people understand what what we're doing and what's at stake yeah you know yeah. because when you're on watch you've got responsibility for the boat and the crew the crew yeah. first of course yeah and uh, you know everybody we're not we're not out there joking around we're not i mean we're having a good time but we're not playing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, do, do you use a uh, weather router joe um i when i'm in south florida and the bahamas i listen to chris parker on the yes. ssb radio right um on occasion i have hired him to give me customized um weather forecasts just but but that's a peculiar situation like i did that once when i was doing a solo passage from the caymans to key west um but most of the time you know we get the weather every day and we listen to chris parker on the ssb and we kind of do our own weather routing yeah know? yeah very nice and and when you this is a question i i, I often think about when i do passages uh and again this is one of the nice things about the east coast is i i may be doing you know uh, new york city to baltimore yeah but i have every 20 or 30 or 40 miles i have exit points that i can sure. you know i can i can go into a harbor yeah and 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 when i sort of do a passage i sort of make a route sheet for myself on a piece of paper yeah. That that has all of them sort of written down, you know, mileage, et cetera, so yeah. that if, if, okay, someone got hurt or I have an equipment failure or all of a sudden the weather's turning bad, sure. okay, boom, I can get into this harbor. I know where to go. I have it already pre-sort of laid out in what I call a root sheet. Yeah. How, how do you think about stuff like that? Well, no, I always have a plan B and a plan C. Yeah. Um, for just that situation, I, when we did the trip from Charleston down to Miami, um, we really needed plan B and C, you know, because mm -hmm. we're, um, th there's like seven or seven or, uh, eight degrees of latitude difference between Charleston and Miami. And that means a huge difference in the weather. Mm -hmm. And this is on one trip. And so, you know, you start out, we went out the Edisto River there just south of Charleston. 
and went down a day or two and then the weather started to look like you know it could get a little uncomfortable and a little uh, maybe we don't really want to be out here so we ducked into uh, uh i can't remember the the inlet but down near savannah you know mm-hmm. So, you know, you just have to be prepared and you have to have a sort of a plan, at least in your head, as to what what to do if things don't yeah. work out right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I always I always find those things to be, number one, comforting for me. Yes. But 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 also sort of when I have to use it and it's a, maybe a slightly more stressful situation since I've thought it through and in my case, written some of that down, it, it makes it flow easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I tip. I don't usually write it down, but I've got it in my head. And we always do a chart briefing at the at the beginning sure. of a trip, you know. And we'll talk about this, you know. Here's yeah. here's our here's where we're starting. Here's where we're going. And if we need to, or we want to, and if we have time, we'll go here or here or here, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, so remind remind listeners to uh, again what the boat is, what your what your vessel is. Yeah, it's a Cabo Rico thirty four, um, which uh, is a um, you know it's a Costa Rica built in Costa Rica in nineteen eighty nine. Uh, the, the designer's his name escapes me suddenly. Well known designer, um, uh, but anyway. It's a uh, cutter-rigged sloop, um, about 18,000 pounds, 37 feet overall length, not counting the davits, which make it like 42. Um, but yeah, it's a small boat, and uh, and I'm sort of infatuated with her. Yeah, they're beautiful boats. I've, yeah. I've seen several, and they're beautiful beautiful boats yeah i yeah i mean i just love this boat my wife loves this boat and uh, having it here at home this past summer it's never been up it's never been inland yes you know so it's in fresh water this summer i don't think it knows what to do <laughs> uh, but it's been close to home and uh you know it's too heavy of a boat really to be a lake boat yeah. Uh, so we haven't really sailed it very much, but we've done a lot of work on it and been able to do chores that we can't do when it's far away. Because that's typically what we'll do during hurricane season is put the boat up, you know, in Florida somewhere or on the East Coast somewhere. And then we're, you know, flying there for a, uh, for a few days and doing work on it. But that's expensive and it takes a lot of time. And having it home, we're able to do projects like replacing the cushions in the salon and sure you know electronics upgrades and things like that so it's been great yeah yeah that is great uh so if people want to find out more about offshore adventure sailing uh how do they do that oh well um the website www.offshoreadventuresailing.com um yeah i've got uh our planned uh, trips and I've got some blog posts up there telling stories about some of the trips that we've done and yeah. uh, you know frequently asked questions and things like that so yeah. yeah and and so your schedule's up there and and if I wanted to book a, a trip with you is that's the best place to get started yeah absolutely um I I have <laughs> I'm, I basically don't have any opening 
openings except for one on the trip from Pensacola to Key West in early February. Um, but I'm going to be adding trips um, in May. Um, I mean, I, they will be May trips. I'll add them before yep. May. Um, so I haven't decided where to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's the okay. nice thing about this. Man. Like, <laughs> you know, I can just like, where do I want to go? And I wonder if anybody else wants to go, and we'll see. Yeah, you can usually, you know, in a world this big, you can usually find, you know, three or four other people who are willing to go yes. along. I tell you what, I have met just some of the greatest people. I, it's just been great. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons I do this podcast is I get to talk to wonderful, nice people like you, right? And and I do my entrepreneurship podcast as well. And I, I get yeah. to talk to all these interesting people that normally I wouldn't get to interact with. So yeah. it's fabulous. Yeah. 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 I admire so, what you're doing. Yeah. So is there uh, is there something I didn't ask you that I, I should have or something else you'd like to share with the audience, Joe? Um, no, I don't think so um i i know you the focus of your uh, of this podcast is the the east coast i would just comment that a lot of the people who travel on the east coast um you know of course we went to maine in 2021 which is yeah. fantastic yeah um but a lot of the people are traveling up and down the coast and many of them are heading to the Caribbean, or at least the Bahamas. And um, so um, I think there are people that have some interest in those destinations. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so. And and I view, I view the Bahamas for sure, and even the Caribbean, Gulf of Mexico, you know, as part of the East Coast. It's sort, well, of, like, sure. it's sort of like, you know, east of the Mississippi, <laughs> And yeah. sort of west of Bermuda. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. that's well, sort of the and, East Coast. You know, of course, yeah. going to the Bermuda, you're going to leave from the U.S. East Coast almost right. all the time. I mean, some people live from the Caribbean, but um, yeah. 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 Actually, actually Bermuda is kind of interesting because you can reach it from anywhere on the U.S. East Coast. You know, from Maine, you go south, from Florida, right. you go north, from Chesapeake, you go east. East. Yeah. yeah. And it's about the same distance from yeah. all of those destinations. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That, that's I remember looking at that once on the on the on the on a globe and uh, right. going, huh, oh, this is about the same distance from all these yeah. places. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's yeah. About, yeah. I have not been there, but I need to go. Yeah, well, sounds like another trip. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like another trip. Yeah. Well, you know, every year, or not every year, but they have the Newport to Bermuda race. Yeah. They just did that this past uh, past summer was Newport to Bermuda, and there was uh, two boats from the marina that participated in that. Yeah, you've and, got your boat in Narragansett Bay, right? That's right. Paradox. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Joe. Thank you very much for being on it's the podcast. Great to catch again. up with you, Bella. Yeah, it's always good to see you, and uh, we'll do this again next winter and uh, get a report on how this past summer went. Outstanding. This is going to be a good year. Uh, yeah, absolutely it will be. Yeah, yeah, no reason for it not to be. Right. I'm going to do a lot of sailing. I hope you do, too. Yeah, I hope so, too. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Bela, what a fascinating conversation. And you and Joe definitely approach some elements of sailing differently, I've noticed. 
Um, but I really enjoy the contrast in your philosophies. And there's also, I think you have a, a common core of similarities too. Um, what do you think are the important takeaways from the conversation you had with Joe? Oh, well, Mike, wait, you can't, you can't put something like that out and leave us hanging. So, so you got to talk about the differences here because I'm interested for sure. <laughs> All right. I think you, you, you approach sailing. So I think I'm more like Joe, kind of have this kind of a little more, um, managerial and just, Hey, I'll set a plan and everything will go right. You, my friend, are an engineer through and through, and I love <laughs> this about you, right? But all of your written list and all of your, right, the the elements of measuring everything and double checking and going back and forth and, right, all this, and I love this about you, but I think these are two completely different approaches, right, to what you're doing. I mean, safety is important, right? And he always has the plan. It's up here in his head, right? I right. get it, right? But you don't leave anything like that to chance. You are triple sure that everything is written down in ink, right? And located in three different places on the boat, right? And everybody <laughs> knows where it is, right? And right. I appreciate, and I, you know, this is why I trust you as a human being, right? This is not a negative thing, but I think that the, there's a, a little a difference in approach. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and they're both valid they're and both they both valid. work great. Right. And absolutely. You know, I, I tend to forget stuff as I've gotten older. So I, I find that I have to write it down. <laughs> absolutely true. And so it's knowing your own strengths and weaknesses too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, I, I think I think Joe Joe's uh, business here, right, or going sailing with Joe, is a great way to experience blue water sailing. And by blue water sailing, I mean fundamentally being out of sight of land. <laughs> so so you're far enough offshore that you know you have ocean swells, uh, you can't see land, and uh, you're you're doing a multi-day trip. So in a multi-day trip, you get to get to experience things that you, you don't experience when you go out for a six hour sail during the day and you're back at the dock at night, right? You get to, you get to experience taking watches, which means some people are sleeping. And if you're on watch, you're sort of responsible for things on the boat. So that, that sort of opens your eyes to a whole bunch of things that you may normally not sort of pay attention to or, or not even see, because now all of a sudden you have this responsibility that you know you're 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 steering steering the boat and you're responsible for the crew that's sleeping and stuff uh, you have this great experience of actually sailing at night which to me is just uh, to, it's one of, to me it's one of the great things about doing these multi-day passages is being on watch from midnight to three in the morning or from three in the morning to six or whatever and you know watching the sunrise come up or just being in awe of all the stars that you can see when there's no other light around for, you know, uh, 50 miles and stuff. Um, so I think that's, that's what you get in these multi-day trips and, and, and you think about, okay, how to prepare meals while we're underway. How do, how do, how do I, how do I walk <laughs> around the boat? <laughs> you know, am I going to get seasick? So you, you get to experience all these things. So I think that's a, that's a really cool thing. And I think the other nice thing about what Joe does is it's not a course. Like he said, he, he doesn't have a curriculum that he goes through. And, and I've taken American Sailing Association courses, and, and they clearly have a curriculum. And they're, they're like, you know, when you and I teach, we sort of have a schedule in mind. We got to get through this stuff in the next four hours. And, and I think this is, this is sort of more experiential, um, I think, than sort of, okay, we're going to, we're going to go through these specific things that I have. So uh, that's sort of my summary of, of what I think he does. And I think there's a lot of value to it. I really like Joe. I've gotten to know him a little bit. 
I, and and uh, I, I think if you at all have any thoughts about doing some uh, blue water sailing, multi-day trips, this is a great way to get your feet wet. Yeah, learning by doing, right? And it is really valuable. And you need somebody who has both the expertise and I think this kind of teaching mentality that Joe seems to have, right? To take every moment and turn it into a lesson or to take a mistake and turn it into a lesson. And I think that's really what uh, it's a, it, you're right. It's a different form of teaching. It's not exactly the same as, right, uh, American Sailing Association type of course, and they both serve their role. But I think it really takes a talented person to be able to consistently pull this off, to design an experience, put you in it, and then you learn by doing and and you learn by having those conversations and you learn by experiencing and doing a debrief. And this is this to me is is, is really, really, really cool. So it's, I like that he does it. And I like that you asked him cool questions to kind of tease this out of him. So so you, you got a little bit of the secret sauce, you know, and, and what makes these things tick. So so, yeah, I loved it. One of the one of the patterns that I've seen taken away from your conversations with Joe is that he's very strategic. He's got a strategy, right? Um, he he uh, but he combines that strategy with flexibility and i think that's one of the cool things i what i'm learning about sailing is that you have to have both right you have to have a strategy but you have to have flexibility because you can't the biggest factor is the weather right pretty much right right, that, right. That, and, and you can't control it um and then i like the way he runs his business too is it it's a passion but it's grounded in common sense you know so these are the big takeaways. I mean, lots of the cool details, again, about where he's gone and how he's done. And I like his rule about no peeing off the back of the boat. I think while you're moving, <laughs> it's probably you have a toilet. If you didn't have a toilet, I get it. Right. But you have a toilet. OK, um, so I, I think that that's, that's, that's really cool. But I, I think it's great. Hopefully we can keep Joe kind of as a regular on the podcast and learn from his approach and sharing his stories and kind of keep following him um, as, as he goes through. Um, his world, which is a lot different from the sailing that, that, that you do, right? Yes. Which is, I think yep. it's a great contrast. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you think we should wrap this one up, Mike? Yeah, looking at my watch, I think it's about time. So thanks, uh, listeners, for joining us for another episode, uh, Sailing the East. We hope you found our conversation with Joe Hagen interesting and thought-provoking like we did. Um, as always, if you have questions about what we've discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. So if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your podcasting app and tell your friends about us as well. And if you know of someone that would be a good guest on the show, let us know. Hey, spring is around the corner. Pretty soon we'll have the boat back in the water. So signing off until next time from cold and snowy upstate New York. See you, so see you all soon. Sounds great, Bela. Looking forward to uh, hearing about getting your boat back in the water. I'm sure you can't wait. Uh, but from over here in Münster, Germany, where it's, it's not too cold, but it's definitely cloudy and drizzly. Uh, we'll see everybody next time.